Welcome to the Legom Podcast. Legom is Swedish for not too much, not too little. And I'm your host, Dr. Beaver. And I'm not here with my beautiful, talented wife, Raylan, because I'm bad at planning. But I really wanted to get this episode out on October 1st because not only is it Brad's birthday, it's also the opening day for bow season. Um, also, this relates to how bad I am at planning. It is my wedding anniversary. So happy third anniversary to my beautiful, again, beautiful wife, Raylan. But on today's episode, I've got Brad, who is a hunter, photographer, videographer. He's got his brand, White Taylor. He pretty much does everything he can with hunting these days. Um, but before we get on the podcast, let's thank our sponsors. Hoosier Chiropractic, providing conservative care to Wabash and surrounding communities. Schedule an appointment by calling or texting 260-225-9444. Wabash CrossFit, your friendly neighborhood cult. The members don't just work out, but it's all they talk about, think about, and it's where all their clothes come from. Stop in and try a free class because of all the things you can be addicted to, at least working out is healthy. Center Court Barbershop. Jeff and Kyle put the rubber in barbershop. I don't know what that means, but they offer haircuts, beard trims, and neck shaves in a friendly atmosphere. Stop in and check them out. And finally, Wabash Downtown Nutrition. With healthy shakes and energizing teas, Downtown Nutrition offers a boost to your day without wrecking your nutrition goals. Lindsay also offers challenges to keep you motivated to help you meet those goals. Follow Wabash Downtown Nutrition on Instagram to see all the delicious drinks they offer. Now, let's get into it with Brad. I'm here with Brad Beaver and Brad, the owner of White Taylor, right? Yes, sir. And what else are you doing right now? Uh, I have a lot of ventures right now. Um, owner of White Taylor, um, and then I do just like branding work or uh, Lone Wolf Tree Stands, Rack Hub, um, and some other companies in the outdoor industry. All their Pinteresty work, right? Yeah, just Pinterest. Yeah, if you have TJ, it's just yeah. all Pinterest. Yeah. And you got a great mullet going on. Is that what you classify I do. it as? Do you like it? I love it. No, I would, I'm really into it right I now. I would classify it as a mullet. Um, it's a modern mullet, so it's yeah, still a mullet, though, right? <laughs> I did it. I had it. I was going to do it until I shot a buck. Mm -hmm. Just recently, shot a buck a lot sooner than I thought I was going to. So I'm like, in full know, velvet, still. Yeah. Beautiful <laughs> buck. Yeah. So I was like, I'm keeping the mullet for now. I think it's good luck. It's a good luck charm. Yeah, yeah you got to keep <laughs> yeah. it. So we were just talking before we started that you have a lot of interest in mental health, and where did you say it stemmed from? Um, it's actually stemmed from who you had on earlier in Mr. Lemming. I ran cross country for Northfield. Um, the, what you start in seventh grade. So seventh grade through my senior year, I ran the entire time and, um, just running cross country. It's, um, such a mental sport and Lemming talked about it a little bit, but it really stemmed from that and just opening up of like what your mind is capable of doing if you allow it to do it. Um, so, you know, ever since then I've, been really interested in it and so you, you try things and you, and you do this and um, you see what works and you see what doesn't but it's just super interesting to me to see what your mind is capable of doing if you just allow it and you're you're several years younger than me so like were you were you good at cross country or what no no <laughs> <laughs> not at all um that's I where the lessons come from though is being bad at exactly it. <laughs> yeah no when i was younger i was i was always in the back of the pack when i was younger but um honestly i ran to just stay in condition for baseball because i wanted to focus on baseball and then of course my aunt and my sister were in it so it was more of like i'll just do it to do it um and then my senior year Actually, I decided I was going to try. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'll put in a little bit more effort. And um, I was, I ran top seven my senior year. Um, so it's just another 
example of, you know, the more you put in, the more you get out. So, well, yeah. I think a lot of people are also afraid of even trying because when you're not trying and you're failing, you're like, whatever, I don't really care. Like, you know, I'm <laughs> yeah. just waiting until baseball, but then to actually make the commitment of, okay, I'm going to actually try and yeah. this can just blow up my face. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. it takes some, some courage to actually pretend like you care, which, you know, especially <laughs> yeah. when you're in high school, you're like, no, I don't care about any of this. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. Exactly. It was like, uh, it was like, you know what? I'm going to see if I try what'll happen. Just mm -hmm. see what happens. And yeah. I ended up running top seven. So it was, it was fun. I tell people that my senior year actually decided to try it. I was decent. So. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of wasted years that you could have yeah, been yeah, better at exactly, it. Yeah. So I know you're, you're big into hunting and you're one of those snobby bow hunters. <laughs> you know, you, you got all the, all the answers with that. So how does the yeah. mental health fit in with that? Um, I could talk about this for hours, but, um, you know, bow hunting obviously is such a, a, I don't even want to call it a sport. It's more of a lifestyle where, you know, everything that I do goes into bow hunting, but you have to be so sharp, um, with a bow, not only with your skill set and like, um, your accuracy and stuff like that, the physical side of it, but the mental aspect of, um, you know, watching that animal, the way he's standing or the way he came in or, um, you know, what he, what he does after the shot is super important. So there's just a lot of stuff that you have to be sharp mentally for. Um, a great example is my buck this year. Um, you know, the encounter, I've just got my video back, but you can see in the video of the kill shot, it's five seconds from when we saw the deer to when I drew and shot mm -hmm. like five, four, three, two, shoot. That's from when I saw that deer, and when I drew, I had five seconds to determine, you know, how is he standing? Um, do I even want to shoot this deer? Because um, you had seen it the day before or two days before? Yeah, so a little bit of backstory. We saw him two days before the hunt. So it was opening day in Nebraska, September 1st. So we went out August, the last day of August to scout. And then, so we saw him the night before opening day scouting in a field. And obviously I was like, I want to try and get on this deer because mm -hmm. he's, he's a giant. But um, so we saw him two nights before, um, and then the opening morning, the wind opening night, I should say the wind wasn't great for where he was. Um, but I kind of had an idea that he was in the area. So I was like, let's sit back in this opposite field where the wind is better and kind of have an observation set, just sit, see, you know, we have five days here. Let's sit, um, see what we see. And he ended up coming out that night too. So we knew he was... Was this on private or public land? Private land, okay. private lease. And so did you know anything about this deer, like once you saw it, like were they able to tell you like this is what his habits are or anything like that? Yeah, I mean the outfitter had a little bit, it was actually the first time the outfitter had seen him too, hmm. which um, was kind of cool, but he, because the outfitter doesn't run trail cameras, it's weird out there, like he's just, they almost have too much land, they don't run cameras, so it's just not worth running so like they'll just scout from the road so this was just mm. the first night that he had seen this deer too mm -hmm. um but to answer your question yeah it was private land and then it's just leased by the outfitter yeah um but so second night we saw him the first night he came out ran um and it was weird like he would jump into the field run like halfway into this hay field and then stop and feed like instead of jumping the fence and just feeding he would like jump and then trot mm -hmm. it was odd but from that observation set day one we knew where we had to be closer like mm -hmm. we gotten you kind of look at it as a puzzle but 
you know, one piece of the puzzle was we need to be in this field, and then the closing piece was we just need to be a tick closer because that's where they're coming out. So second night we moved probably 100 yards up the fence line where I thought he was coming out, um, and he did the same exact thing he did the night before, which was jump the fence, run for whatever reason, and then stop in the middle of the field. So the, How far was he from you at that point? He was at... Well, I don't even know. It was at four. I put my pin at 40. Yeah. I didn't have time to range him. Like, again, it was the, my cameraman, my buddy Austin was filming me, and I thought the deer was going to be right below me. And he's like, he's right here. And I was like, what? And he's like, right here. And I look up, and he's just running in the field. So I stopped him. I did the stopped him. He stops. I drew, and like, I was just telling TJ, but um, the. Almost a second before I pulled the trigger, I was like, that's that big deer we saw. Because that's how quickly it all happened. Like, mm -hmm. I, it happened so fast. I just saw it was a big deer, so I stopped him. And then because he acted spooky, you know, I just stopped him. He was now aware. Almost right before I pulled the trigger, I was like, oh, crap, that's that big deer. <laughs> so then I shot. Um, the shot was off, which in a such a fast-paced environment is I don't want to say it. I'm not saying that's an excuse, but it happened so dang fast. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, ended up finding the deer. I'd killed him, but um, that's what it goes back to the mental side of it where, um, you know, I had five seconds to think, and it's it almost becomes muscle memory at that point. Mm -hmm. um, but I ended up putting not so good of a shot on the deer, which you hate to see in bow hunting, but that's another aspect of why I just love bow hunting because there's so many factors that can go into a hunt that can make that hunt go good or not. Yeah. And so. I think people that aren't into hunting don't understand the, how like sick to your stomach you can feel to think <sighs> that you, whether if you just wounded it or, or if it was just a, I, I don't know, like a, a slow death for it. Like that's not what any yeah. hunter wants. They don't want to see the animal suffer. And it's hard to explain that that kill is actually like the quickest death that they could have. Like, yeah it's not i don't know I it's don't. hard for some people to grasp that you know you have uh the people that may be against hunting that you're you're so kind of an animal but you know if you put a good shot on something obviously it's it's the best way for that animal to die mm -hmm. um so yeah to your point i mean that was a so we backed out that night because the shot was iffy mm -hmm. um looking back i hit an artery in his neck so he died almost instantly like mm -hmm. he bled out and just died basically instantly um after reviewing the footage, we saw the shot was kind of iffy, so we decided to back out just to give him the night, mm -hmm. um, which it, ultimately we didn't need to do, but it ended up, I got what I wanted. Yeah. Like it, it was a good situation. Yeah, and kind of like what you're talking about, you have the, the five seconds to act on. Uh, let's get into a little bit what the year around bow hunting looks like for you. I mean, just the, all the different preparations that you take and stuff. Yeah, so... Like I said, I, I don't like calling bow hunting a sport. It's more of a, a lifestyle just because, and you know you're a hunter, but um, it just... Hardly compared to you. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, we're all the same. But, uh, yeah, to talk about kind of what goes into it, I mean, you practice year-round, obviously. Um, but I like to stay sharp in the gym just because kind of the style of hunting I do, it's it's run and gun, it's kind of fast paced. I'm carrying in a ton of stuff, tree stands, camera, gear, 
all the other crap that I bring but in. But those no lone wolf stands are so mobile that it's like <laughs> yeah. hardly carrying anything, yeah. right? Shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lone wolf stands. Um, no, so I like to stay in, in the gym year round and just stay healthy because not only does it help my physical health, but I feel like when I when I physically feel better, my mental is a lot better. Yeah. And again, it stems from cross country and that, um, you know, running every day and how just better you feel. Um, but to answer your question on kind of the bow hunting side of it, it's, it's not just out shooting your bow every night. You know, you're thinking about, um, the wind all the time when you're bow hunting, you have to think about the wind, even when you're not hunting. Like I just walked in and I'm like, this wind's from the South. It's going to be awesome tomorrow. Like that's just how I am. But it's, it's so much that goes into it that a lot of people I don't think realize it's not just out shooting your bow every night so well and also I mean even the where you were at hunting you know with a with an outfitter I mean that's just it's that doesn't include like all the work that you would put into like a property of you know trying to manage the deer trying to you know checking your trail cams like you know TJ and I talked about but I mean it is you can dive so deep into it. And that's what I, I didn't know. realize. That's what I told you, like I could talk about this for hours <laughs> if you wanted. I mean, yeah, to your point, if, if you have a private property, which unfortunately, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately, I do have a home farm here now, but since I'm in Iowa and I, I do a lot of traveling, I don't get to do see that aspect of it much mm-hmm. anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you try to hunt a single animal, um, so you're out creating food plots for this thing, you're hanging trail cameras to, um, see if you can get in pattern to see if you can get on them and see if you can kill them. There's so, so much that goes into it. But Let, let's talk about passing on a deer. Cause I think, I mean, that's something that definitely non hunters don't think about or don't understand at all. So yeah. can you get into that a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple reasons why you would, um, pass deer. The biggest thing that people like to stress is, um, like age and, Obviously, if we're hunting antlers, like we want to pass two and a half year old deer because they're going to be their antlers will be bigger next year, um, which is the main reason people are doing it. But there's also ways like not necessarily passing the deer for its age, but let's say again you're shot, you can't get an ethical shot, or um, it's just the conditions aren't right. So you you pass that deer and you're really giving that deer a chance. It's like here's to you, man. You got me this time. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean. So not only are you passing deer to make them mature and make them older and make their antlers bigger. Um, but there's again in bow hunting, like you may pass a deer, like actually I was in Nebraska and this deer stayed, um, like six, he was at 62 yards. Mm -hmm. And like, I told my buddy, I'm like, I'll shoot for 50. I'm not going to shoot anything past 50. And this guy was at 62. And I was like, Ooh, but you just have to tip your cap. You're like, you know what? That's how hunting goes. Yeah, and that's the the thing that I love about bow hunting is you do you understand your limits a lot better. Just, I mean, the bow keeps you close. And so yeah. there's there's times that I've seen a deer and just been like, I've got no shot at this. And so you, yep. I mean, it's kind of cool because you just you just observe it then, mm-hmm. and like you've never gotten to be this close to a deer unless you're in a car and you know, <laughs> you know run into one that way. But it's it's a really cool experience to just feel and I also like the the experience with the shot like when a gun goes off nature stops you know yep. like you can just feel the wood stop and even with a bow I mean they're still gonna react and stuff but if you have a miss 
you can potentially stick around and get a shot oh. at something else or at that same deer even. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I've seen that a lot. Or let's say if there's a lot of deer in a field and you're trying to shoot one buck and something were to go wrong or, or not even you heart shoot that deer and he runs off, there may still be deer in the field. Like mm-hmm. they're just, it's such a, it's such a natural way of, of hunting. I mean, bow hunting has been around for eons. Mm-hmm. Like it's, yeah. you find arrowheads from Indians that were out bow hunting. Um, yeah. So that's what, that's another aspect that I just love about it. Well, my, my buddy, Adam, he always just talks about how he's like, they're ghosts, man. They're ghosts. Like well, you'll be sitting there <laughs> yeah, and are. you know, you're watching it and you're, you hear something, it's just a squirrel and, and like you're, and you're, eventually you're just like, well, I'm not seeing anything. All of a sudden there's a deer right in front of you. And you're like, where did this come yeah. from? I so mean, a great example, I was just in Missouri with uh, my friend Ty Mills, but he was hunting with a recurve, which is even harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so props to him. But um, being, it was September 15th was a Missouri opener. Um, so the leaves and everything in the woods is so thick. Mm-hmm. And so these deer would just pop out of nowhere. Um and he was there to shoot a buck with his recurve, and uh, we were just sitting, talking, basically just like you are. And he's like, all of a sudden, his eyes got huge. He goes, do not move. <laughs> I'm like, well, he's like, there's a buck right here. And it ended up, the buck saw us before we saw it, and he didn't get a shot at it, which, again, is another aspect of bow hunting. But to your point, like, you most of the time, you're going to see it here before you yeah. hear it, because they are ghosts. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what led you out to Iowa, because what were you doing here in Wabash before you left? Yeah, so I was, obviously grew up in Wabash, went to Northfield, um, and I worked for the state highway for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, first out of the Wabash unit, and then ultimately in Fort Wayne, I was a heavy equipment operator for the state highway. Um, and then I kind of had an opportunity to fall on my lap. You know, obviously, always loved hunting, um, loved the production side of hunting, using a camera and being creative in that way. Um, and I kind of had an opportunity kind of just fall into my lap through a company called Midwest Whitetail, which they were a, they still are a hunting show, um, on YouTube and they were based out of Des Moines, Iowa. Um, so they basically reached out to me, offered me a job. Um, and it was a big leap for me personally, just because, you know, you're, you're picking up everything and you're moving. And you just got a place, right? I mean that. Yeah. I just bought a house in Wabash actually right down here. Um, so I just bought a house, um, you know, starting to settle down, had a stable job and everything. And you kind of get torn between, um, sticking with stable or kind of making that jump and chasing your dreams. I mean, it sounds cliche, but it's ultimately what you do. And it's, it's a huge jump to just say, I just want to try it. Like, I just want to try it and see if it works. Mm -hmm. And I can always fall back if it doesn't. And I've always been the kind of person that, like, so let's just see if it works. Let's see, you know, you don't know if you can do something until you try to do it. Mm-hmm. And I've always had that mindset. So, um, yeah, I moved out there last August, um, and then spent six months, six months with Midwest, um, ultimately got a job with Lone Wolf and now I'm just kind of working for them and doing my own thing. So, so now that you're out and you're like pursuing the, the passion that you love, that just means that work is really easy for you now. <laughs> yeah yeah it's so easy um i was just tj who you had on too he's we're pretty similar in that we um i think he has the same mindset as me is like you gotta figure something out um and just see if it works um but i was just talking to him how like you know everybody thinks that all i do is hunt and take pictures mm-hmm. but it's so much you gotta so come much up with captions too i mean exactly <laughs> yeah you, you know you have to know what hashtags you use yeah. and it's just a pain sometimes <laughs> but <laughs> no i uh 
yeah, it's it's a lot of work, but it's true that they say you know you love what you do, and it doesn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. So, so you've been in, it's been a good time since you moved out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, last fall was probably the best fall as far as deer hunting I've ever had. I mean, it's Iowa, so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of coming off last fall. Obviously, this fall's season starts next week. Here, yeah, yeah. Last fall was was awesome for me but yeah i i love it i love what i do so what are you doing now with in terms of like your your mental health like how are how are you fitting that into your day um fitting in my day i'm not sure like like i said i i like to get in the gym every day Mm -hmm. like i try i don't really follow a regimen but i used to when i was in high school i used to lift just to be bigger and be better in sports now over the past couple of years it's moved more towards the mental part of it like when i feel physically better i feel as though my mind works better if mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah, I'm, more, absolutely. I'm more creative i'm more in tune with my work um so it's all kind of work driven right now but it, like if i skip a day or two at the gym i hate it well like especially for creative people i mean it's hard because any time that you're taking away from you know, time with your camera, time editing pictures, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It can seem like it's a waste of time, but if you're not taking that time, you know, I mean, you're not going to be, like you said, I mean, there's there's research around that, that you're not as productive if you're not getting that exercise in. So yeah. you do have to take that time away from, you know, your productivity to actually be more productive. Um, what about, so like kind of getting to tie, you know, having that unsuccessful hunt. Mm-hmm how do you feel like you're mentally prepared to handle that? Like just leaving and knowing that it's okay that you, you know, maybe didn't take a shot that you shouldn't have or something like that. Right. So I go into every hunt just as we're going to be unsuccessful. You know what I mean? Because I mean, your odds of success when bow hunting even are slim. Mm-hmm. So you have to go in, not necessarily thinking you're going to be unsuccessful, but expecting it. So, you know, going to Missouri, well, is a good example. It was 95 degrees. Like we sweated our butts off. I was like, where's no way we see deer. And I mean, we ended up seeing a lot of deer and almost got a shot at something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean that the mental side of that is you kind of just have to be like, you know what, that's bow hunting. And I hate when people say that, but it's true. Like it's, it's hunting. That's why mm-hmm. they call it hunting, not killing. Um, so that's kind of how I deal with that stuff mentally. Um, I mean, is it hard not having like that, like the cocky positive outlook going into it? Because I feel like sometimes those people that are, they go into it with that, a lot of times they are successful and it always annoys me when it's <laughs> yeah. like, why? It's like they do speak it into existence yeah, somehow. like Cameron Haynes, he yeah. just kills every time he goes yeah. out. Yeah. Um, no, not really. I mean, especially me, I'm sort of a modest guy, but like I said, you got to go in. Let's give this a second. Yeah. I hate this train so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to have a somewhat of a positive attitude, or you're not going to want to be out there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, sometimes the conditions are miserable. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like I was saying in Missouri, you know, it was 95, 96 degrees. We were miserable. Mm-hmm. Mosquitoes, everything else. But you have to have, you, you have to love it, really, because if you don't love it, you're not going to have a good time out there. Well, that's. Steve Rinella talks about it a lot, just that those miserable times are actually the times that you think back fondly of the most. Yeah. Like, 
he compares it to a roller coaster. He's like, who looks back and talks about a roller coaster they were on? Like, of course it was fun in that moment, but then that moment's over and you're done. And, yeah, that's um, a really good analogy. Yeah, but I mean, it's, you know, there's times when you're out and it's, like you said, it's hot and other times when it's freezing cold and, you know, those times where you're out sitting, for me, I'm like, I wouldn't be outside otherwise. Like, if, yeah. it, if it was... If I knew it was going to be this cold, like I would definitely not just be outside just sitting down and like to, yeah. you know, you're just yeah, out there sitting sit. on your back porch. And then, yeah, <laughs> and you realize how much, how much we just normally miss from nature from not just being still and sitting mm -hmm. quietly. And that's something that I've really enjoyed with hunting, just that it's, it's something that you just completely miss out on otherwise. Yeah, that's, that's really true. I, like you said about, um, you know, missing nature or really just sitting in nature and enjoying it. You know, you don't even have to see deer mm -hmm. and it just, it really just goes back to, you have to love being out there and you have to love kind of the chase and that makes it all worth it. Yeah. Is there anything, any projects that you have coming up, anything like that, that you're working on? Uh, a little, um, we've got a lot of projects with white Taylor in the works, um, and lone wolf too. Um, it's just, it's really all a continuous project. It has been. I mean, if there's not, you know, we finish one thing and that leads to another. Or that's that's kind of what I love about what I do is there's always something that needs done or need created or needs um, marketed that once you get one project done, you turn over and you're on to the next. Is there any of that stability that you miss? Honestly, yeah, there is. Um, this is going to sound weird, but I, I miss having that shut off. Like I would get home from the highway at 5 p.m. and I don't have to think about the highway until tomorrow at 8. Um, whereas with this on on the job side of it, not the hunting side of it, but on the on the job side when I'm worried about um, kind of my job duties and taking care of people, it never shuts off. Like yeah. it it's I'm always on my phone talking to somebody. I'm always you know worried about getting this out or or getting this produced on time. Um, whereas like you said, when I worked for the highway, I could shut it off, disconnect, um, and it was, I don't, don't want to say, I think you said stability, but um, I don't really, I wouldn't say I miss the stability, I just miss being able to disconnect and have, kind of have time to myself. Yeah, and it's, I think people don't really understand it because when you were disconnecting before, you'd be going and doing what you're doing now anyway. For a job, <laughs> yeah. exactly, yeah, like I shouldn't say, because I take time for myself in hunting mm -hmm. but now i'm working in hunting so it's like i can go hunt like next week i'm gonna go hunt but i can turn that into work just as easily as just sitting in a tree by myself do you have any issues going hunting and it not being about work like just it just enjoying it <laughs> that's what my plan is this next week so that's what i was just talking to to one of my buddies but i'm like i i'm gonna go it's probably been two years since I've hunted by myself. Mm -hmm. Just I've been a cameraman. I've I've had cameramen with me, and it's always been about work. Um, so I think this next week, opening week, I'm gonna try and just go by myself, no camera, and just get back to the basics. Which and something awesome is gonna happen. You're gonna be like, I wish I had this on camera. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I just told my friend. I was like, I won't bring one camera, and that'll be the time that I kill a giant or something cool happens. Yeah. I won't have my camera to tell it <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely hard because i mean even just the social media world we live in we want to document especially everything like significant that happens yeah and it's it's hard to just step back and be like it's okay to 
for no one else to know this is happening right now. Yeah. But but I mean, I'm I'm guilty of it just as much as sending a Snapchat of like the sunset that I see or something yep. like that. And it's like <laughs> I don't want to be one of those guys. It's just in the tree stand taking pictures, but it's beautiful. Yeah, like it's exactly. a, <laughs> I have to show people. This. Yeah, yeah. And what's funny is hunting is like the most like. I don't know how to say it. It's it's the one thing that should be disconnected from all the technology. Yeah. Is you know you're in nature. It's it's almost opposite of mm-hmm. this technology. And um, so hunting, it, it's funny that it's become this huge push on social media and everybody's sharing it because you know that's the one thing that we should put our phones down for. Right. Yeah. And it's you know there's a lot of waiting with hunting yeah. and to have our phones and to be like. Well, I could play a game right now or like look at Instagram <laughs> yeah. like it's it's like I'll just pass the time doing that and then you're like oh I just you know I'm wasting this time that I'm trying to get away from that world yeah. but it's still it's just hard because it's so convenient even feeling like you're in the middle of nowhere you can still do something or look at something on your phone yeah exactly it, like I've been on hunts that I don't have cell service and I just want to jump out of the tree <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be like Oh, I can't look at Facebook right now. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll, I'll look at other, like, you know, my photos in my own phone. Yeah. I'll try and interest myself. I guess I'll that. enjoy nature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anything, I guess, anything that you would say to someone that's thinking about hunting that you would encourage about it or someone that's against hunting to try and sway them? That's a big conversation. Um, <laughs> I guess if somebody is kind of on the fence about hunting or not, maybe they're not hardcore. Um, just give it time. I mean, you have to become so it's luck. I mean, you should know by now it's mm-hmm. 90% of it's just getting lucky. Um, and it takes one opportunity or one thing to go right for you to fall in love with it. Mm-hmm. Um, a good example is I have a cousin, um, who is younger, obviously, but he's, he's getting into hunting and we went a couple years ago and, we saw this buck and he didn't, we didn't get a shot at it. We just saw it. And I could just see in his eyes, like he loved it because that buck, he was close. We didn't get a shot, but he was like, Oh, that's cool. And then, so then after that opportunity that creates and opens the door for, well, now what do I do that can help me get closer to him? Or how can I see him again? And it just opens a door for all this opportunity. And you know, now he's, he loves it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just took that one opportunity to do it. So, to answer your question, I mean, just stick with it. If somebody's not a hunter, that's the person that's harder to to convert. But just go out once and hope you have a good time. And yeah. Well, and it, it, for people that aren't into hunting, I don't know if they would realize all the divide there is even among hunters about you know <laughs> yeah. what's what's a good shot, what's a bad shot, what's yeah. a deer you should pass on, what's a yeah. you know. I mean, there's that's and that's the part of it that. I mean, it's ugly like every other part of social media where you you might take a shot at something and it's or or so, someone posts something and people are just like tearing everybody's them apart. a critic. Yeah, everyone's a critic. Yeah, everybody's the best. And yeah. it's like okay, you don't understand maybe the situation around it because my friend Adam, one of his like prized trophies is this deer that he got with a traditional bow, and oh, he's like yeah. he's like it's not. It would not be on anyone else's wall otherwise. Right. But for him, he was like something about like the weather that day was perfect. You know, just everything about that day was just right. And he's like, and the the deer walked right under me. I mean, it was like a 16 yard shot or something. But 
He's like the Pakadoza traditional bow. Yep. The, that he probably worked his tail yeah, off for yeah, trying to and, learn and get accurate with it. But, you know, I mean, it's just, it's so hard to deal with the critics around it. And you worrying about, am I doing it right or not? Right. And well, really, if you talk to hunters, they've all done something that, you know, they maybe would have done differently. But like you said, you have a short time to react. So, I mean, that's, absolutely. that's really what you have to deal with. And that's a perfect example is, um, you know, I was pretty public with, with my buck last month in Nebraska with it. I mean, we shared it on social media and the shot was awful. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd shot him in the neck. Um, so we were torn between, you know, do we post this? Do we share this? Mm -hmm. And it ultimately came down to me cause it was my buck. And I said, you know what, if, if you're a bow hunter, you're going to come across this eventually. Yeah. And I would rather see the adversity in something so that I'm one reassured that it's not just happening to me. Like mm -hmm. if I were somebody looking in and I saw that this guy just put a bad shot on a deer. Now I feel less bad if it were to happen to me, mm -hmm. um, which I would say it's probably more common for people to screw up or something to go bad than everything to go perfect. Yeah. So that was a big decision for me. Like, are we going to post this or are we going to share the adversity? And I was like, let's do it because if somebody wants to be a critic and somebody wants to be an expert, let them do it. They probably haven't bow hunted enough. Well, and it, it's the easiest thing to do is just critique something is just sit yeah. around your computer and say, that was a bad shot. Absolutely. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's what like the guide when we went out, he's like, well, if you see him, try and put a good shot on him. I was like, well, I was going to try and put a bad shot on him, but now that you said that yeah. I'll try and put a good one on. Like, <laughs> of course I'm going to try and put a good yeah. shot on him. Yeah. It's, it's a lot harder than people realize. And I understand that criticism around bow hunting when people are like, you're, you're risking putting more bad shots out there versus if you, you know, had a gun that was sighted yeah. and well, it'd be no problem. Yeah. But there's just, there is something about that. The fact that you're making it harder on yourself, that makes it so much more rewarding than when you get that deer. And, yep. and when you get that, the good shot and stuff, I mean, it's, it just comes with, diversity but that's also i feel like there's just not enough of that in our world like it's just so easy now that yeah we everything's easy we're missing out on those opportunities to just deal with failure and like you said i mean bow hunting you're more likely going to fail than succeed and that's yeah that's just something that i just i gravitated towards immediately i was like i like that you know i can be practicing pretty consistently and still go out there and have a bad shot like, yeah. you know, that I, I need to keep working on it more Absolutely. and more. And There's always something to work on in bow hunting. Like whether it's um, becoming more accurate or just being more aware of your surroundings when you're in a tree, there's always something that you can improve or you can, um, I don't know, take take in more. Um, it just it never ends. Well, and I always, I get blown away at the guys when they talk about their with their scent like what all products they're using to make sure they're <laughs> yeah. scent free and stuff and i'm like yep that's get, another aspect yeah I mean, you gotta be scent free you gotta watch your wind it's just so much that goes into it that just makes the end so much rewarding when when you are successful yeah well there's a couple things i like to end the podcast with first thing and i'm excited to hear this one walk me through your perfect day my perfect day yeah man that's tough um perfect day would be november 5th <laughs> so we're in deer season um wake up have a morning sit um crisp morning really good weather uh go eat lunch at casey's uh breakfast pizza probably it's like 10 30 11 get some breakfast pizza in you 
that night, safer. It's November six, so you, you don't want, you want to be in the woods as much as you can. Um, go back to the woods and then kill a really nice deer that you've been chasing for six years. That night. <laughs> How's that? That's good. Yeah. So I mean, you, you don't want to do anything but sit outside. That's your yeah. Just sit outside. It's it's middle of November. Just be out there. Be in your surroundings. I mean, be cold. I like being cold. Yeah. So yeah, just sit. Just be out there. And the last thing is, how long do you want to live? I know you're going to ask me this because you asked TJ this. Um, that's tough, man. I mean, obviously everybody wants to live as long as they can, right? I would hope. I just make it to tomorrow. Like, let's just <laughs> <laughs> let's worry about today and make it to tomorrow. That, that's fair. That's fair. I actually I just saw your uh, uh, great grandpa Tom. Oh, dri- you did driving on my on my way in. Yeah, all he does is drive, man. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's. I and we had the beaver get together. He was there for that, and he was he was just ta- talking my ear off about you he's, and your, your hunting that you got yeah, going on. Talk about like somebody that's always positive, like. That man, he's always in a great mood. He yeah. always has jokes. Like yeah. and maybe that's all old people. I don't think so. I mean, he's he's definitely. I mean, even among his brothers, he was the the craziest one of the bunch. Just, <laughs> yeah. just you know, he, yeah. he was the the storyteller that it didn't matter what the facts were around the story. He was going to make it fun and interesting. Right. Exactly. He want he something to always. Hold on a sec. Okay. How many trains are in this town? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it really. All right, it's quiet enough. What were you saying about him? Oh, uh, one thing that my great grandpa, like you said, he's like the most positive person I've ever met. Mm-hmm. He's always has something to laugh about. But one thing I, I forget what went wrong is something minor. But when I was little, he said, "You know, we can't cry about it, so we might as well laugh about it." And like that just stuck with me. Like I was twelve. And just stuck with me. I was like, that's such a good point. He's like, we can't cry, so we might as well laugh. And that's why I'm like, I try and make jokes to cheer people up and just be a positive person. I think it stems from him. But, yeah, he is always. Well, you got to look at how he grew up, too. So your great-grandpa and my grandpa were brothers. Yeah. And Tom, he was your great-grandpa. He was the youngest. And they had a tough childhood. Yeah, I mean, absolutely it was, they did. I they've i've heard stories about you know on hot nights the boys would just grab their pillows and go lay outside because it was sleep in the lawn yeah Yeah. there's nothing else they could do about it yep um my grandpa would tell stories about you know they they got their john deere a when he was like 13 or 14 and the older brothers were comfortable with the horses but they had never used a tractor before and my grandpa i guess picked it up somewhat quick and the, the story that I've heard is that they would get new school clothes at the beginning of the year. Well, they came back, the their their parents, they came back with the clothes and everyone had a pair except for my grandpa. And so he's like, well, I guess I'm not going to school anymore. And that's how, that's that's how, how they, he quit going to school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I guess they, they needed him on the farm because they needed him on the tractor. Right. And, and how old was he? So he was the oldest one. He was either 13 or 14. That's actually a, a picture of him up there oh, on that. But, yeah, I mean, that's... That's how he quit. He's yeah. like, I don't have school clothes, yeah. so I guess I'm done. Yeah, but, I mean, I, like, if that was the parents' way of telling them, that was, like, the most passive-aggressive, like, <laughs> right. yeah, there's no clothes, I guess, you can't go. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I've heard Gramps tell stories about, like, uh, like that picture, like, pulling a team of mules and mm-hmm. tractors and stuff, and it's like, 
you don't realize how quickly things change until mm. that's like two people ago. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like he's my great grandpa. Like yeah. four people still. Yeah. My, my grandpa. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, and then I just, I'm like, man, I'm so soft. Yeah. Just because compared to that, it's like, I know. I, I mean, all the complaints around millennials, I'm like, okay, there is some truth because our lives are just so much easier. <laughs> and I mean, that's part of progress. Like it's a good thing, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, we suck. We can't do it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, if you throw me in that, like I'm dying in a day. Like I'm already <laughs> dead when you put me there. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I mean, when that's what you grow up and knowing and that I'm trying to think of who it was one of my great aunts. She was talking about how she was surprised that between my grandpa, your great grandpa, all those brothers, she was like, they were so much gentler and kinder than their dad. Mm -hmm. But I mean, from, from what I've heard, he had asthma, but I don't think was ever treated for it. They, they said he Probably used to have wasn't. asthma attacks just from walking out to the barn. So this yeah. is a guy who farmed his whole <laughs> life, who just walking to the barn could cause an asthma attack. Yeah. Like, of course he's he hated like, life. Like, yeah, life sucked yeah. for him. The but, kids are sleeping on the lawn. He's yeah. like, you guys kids got it good. You have pillows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In my and, day, we slept in the hay. Yeah. And yeah, you got indoor plumbing now. You guys have it yeah. easy. Yeah. But it's, it is crazy. And I think that that's, I think there is something about, we just want to make our lives harder on ourselves somehow. Yeah. Like, I think that that's something that is it's so attractive about bow hunting. It's like, even in having, you know, like a new, brand new Matthews bow, brand new Elite. That's what you, is that what you guys use? Or I'm what? with Matthews now. Matthews but now. yeah. But they still suck compared to like a gun. Like they're yeah, still, it's, it's, it's still, it's still pretty ineffective. The hardest part of hunting is still the hardest part. Yeah. And there's just something that makes you feel like, all right, at least I'm trying something that's yeah most likely going to be unsuccessful and yeah i mean just looking at like how the farming practices and stuff have changed from what they used to do i mean it's there's just a lot of people searching trying to find some way to make themselves feel still valuable or like that still right i don't know life just isn't easy all the time but right it is hard when you get back from a hunt and you're in like your AC home and you're like, okay, this this isn't that bad. Or I think it just comes down to like making the end result more special because if it's harder, you know, anytime that you do something that's harder for others to do, you feel better if you do that thing. Mm -hmm. Like you just feel like you've accomplished more if, you know, not many people do this, but I did kind of thing. So I think that's what it, it comes down to. Yeah. And there's, I see that a lot, like on the fitness side of things about when people get older and they get into whether it's marathons or triathlons, yeah. Ironman, stuff like that. You're just trying to find out what you can actually do. And like it, going back to what you said with mental health in the beginning, when you realize, oh, I am stronger than I thought. Like it's, it is a good feeling to realize that you can do that, but I get annoyed when people take that as in the rest of you are all so weak. It's like, yeah, just because they haven't it tried it yet. Right. Doesn't mean yeah, that, like yeah. we're all pretty much the same. And so like we all can accomplish that. And I think yep. it's motivating just to hear someone can do, you know, some like a hundred mile race, something like that. Like, it's like, Oh wow. Like that's not necessarily a feat of physical strength, but it's mentally, it's there's way a lot that goes mentally. into it. And that's what I love about, I mean, we're kind of around circles, but, um, again, just the, the amount of something that you're 
capable of doing all depends on your mental, how you go about it mentally. You know, if you let your mind open up and let it do what it's capable of doing, it's a, a crazy thing. Mm-hmm. And still doing all that, you can still fail. Oh, you're going <laughs> to fail. You're yeah. going to fail. You're going to fail more than you succeed. That's right. how you get better. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, Brad. Now, let's go get you adjusted, all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs>